0: We're studying uh, Anglicanism in particular and its Catholic nature and its evangelical character, Um, but we really can't comprehend who or what Anglicanism is unless we really understand um, the very gift of salvation because everything flows from the gift of salvation which is ours in, in Jesus Christ. So we're going to begin the course. Does anyone have an HTAC news? It's, it's something, 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 and then also known as Anglicanism 101. Anglicanism 101. Yeah, there we go. That's what we need every, every member to be like, oh, right here, here you go. So... And um, this... Hello, hello. Hello, hello. See, you can't sneak in anymore, see? Oh, darn. (laughs) Unless you come in that door and, like, crawl through the pews, under the pews, you know, although the kneelers get in the way, you know. So today we're beginning with salvation. Salvation. And it ties right into... What I said in the sermon, God created us to be in relationship with him, in right relationship with him. It wasn't important to the early church to comprehend God. More importantly, they wanted to know God. They wanted to share in his life. And God created us not to comprehend him, but to know him. And for God to know us. This is very important. If we understand anything that we from today, take this home. God has created you out of love that you may know Him, not comprehend Him. You know, if you think of a very small child, uh, a toddler, maybe even younger, uh, looks up at their mother. Right? Does that child comprehend the mother, really? No. No. But that child knows, though maybe can't articulate exactly how, that child knows that uh, he or she has a relationship with that mother. Right? A relationship. That's what God desires with us. It's not for us to try to. If, if an infant cannot comprehend his or her mother, uh, right? How can we, when there's a distance that's measurable there, right? That's not an infinite uh, distance between a, a, a human baby and a, an adult, right? That's measurable. But if the child can't comprehend the mom, how can we comprehend God? when that's immeasurable. Probably immeasurable, too. Immeasurable. Because God is infinitely beyond us. Remember the little boy or girl who loses the balloon and can never attain to that balloon? Whenever I still get a sadness when I see a balloon go sailing across the sky, because I think, some little kid somewhere is, you know, prob- well, probably by the time I see it, is getting ice cream out of it. But, but you know the sadness of when you first see it, and you just, you can't get to it. So God created us. See, Dan has the right idea. Come forth. God created us to have a relationship with Him. And before we introduce sin into the world, that's exactly what we had was a right relationship with God. But when we fell out of right relationship with God, when that relationship became broken, God then, being God, is infinitely beyond us. And so we cannot attain to God, so God comes to us in the person of Jesus. So, knowing that, that God has come to us in the person of Jesus... What do we have to do to earn salvation? What do we have to do to earn salvation? All right, Deacon Susie says we can't earn salvation. Is she correct? Yes, yes. Yes, Yes, she is correct. We cannot earn our salvation. There is nothing we can do to attain to God, because God is infinitely beyond, be, beyond us, right? Uh, we cannot, as they say in Maine, can't get there from here, right? We can't get to God from our sinful, broken, fallen state. So, we can do good things from now until the end of time, and we will be no closer to attaining to God than when we first began. Now, the whole idea that you have to earn salvation, that sounds a little bit what? Roman? What? <laughs> <He's not. laughs> I'm sorry, I just stifled myself. It's <laughs> yeah. <not>. Yeah. <laughs> Right? It, well, it is true that the Roman church does teach about meriting salvation. But that's not what the gospel actually teaches. Because it's tiresome, isn't it? To think that I have to attain to God. I have to be good and keep going and keep going. And oh I fell again. What what if I'm you know, I blew it, right? And now I slid back, right? And and this is where the idea came in, by the way, of buying merits of the saints. Because if you had to do this much good to get into heaven, and you did this much in your lifetime, then you're missing that much. So what are you going to do? Well, you could go to hell. (laughs) Right? Not always the best option. right? So what you do is, we have Saint Bob here, who dies, and you need this much to get in, but St. Bob did that much, which means he has this much extra. So what the church says is, look, you make a donation to the church, you make a donation to the church, come in. And we will apply uh, some of St. Bob's merits to yours so that you can get in to heaven, right? So not ultimately, would you go greet our, our visitor? Not ultimately, or never mind, what we want to do, right? Not what we want to do. So we can't attain to God, nor can we earn our salvation. And you know what? When you think about it, it's not a healthy relationship anyway, right? Now, as a priest who serves in the Anglican Church, um, I'm allowed to marry, Right? And or as I say, I sure hope so, otherwise I'm in big trouble. Oh look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Knock and you shall the door shall be opened and okay. Ta-da! Okay. Um, so I'm allowed to marry, but would it be a healthy relationship if twelve years into marriage I am always trying to earn Christian's love? And she was saying, well, what did you do today? Um, well, I, I did the shopping. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did the dishes. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I vacuumed the floor. Well, not bad. Did you do the kids' homework with them? No, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> now you're back here. What else did you do? Well, I did this. Well, okay. And then calcul- Oh, you're an eighth of a point short of my love today you can't be with me today. Is that sound healthy? No, I think you don't need to be a psychiatrist to know that that sounds sick. But just in case you don't trust me, we have a psychologist in the house. Does that sound sick? It sounds very sick. Thank you. See, I'm not making this stuff up, right? It's not a healthy relationship. So if you don't want to have a, a, an unhealthy relationship with someone you love in this world, Why would you want to have an unhealthy relationship with your God or He with you, right? We wouldn't want that. God doesn't want that. So we cannot attain to God because God is infinitely beyond us. So God comes to us in the person of Jesus, but nor can we earn our place with Him. Nor can we earn our place with Him, okay? So if we can't earn a place with Him, How do we get a place with him? He provides it for us. Remember, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also, Jesus says. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's by his death and resurrection that we have a place with him in heaven. Right. Does that make sense? So you can't earn your relationship with God. You can't earn a place in his house. He has offered you a place in his house by his death and resurrection. And why? Because he loves you. That is why. That is why. Now we know we cannot attain to God. So God came to us in the person of Jesus. We know we can't earn our salvation or earn his love, right? That that's unhealthy. So he has done it for us by his death and resurrection on the cross, right? We also know that his love is also a free gift. His love is a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love. God's love is is free, God's love is free. One thing I have said to Sarah and Rebecca, our daughters, is this. Nothing you do, nothing you don't do, will ever change the fact that I love you. Well, what if one of them became a serial killer? Went around stabbing cereals. Cheerios, right? 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 Would that change the fact that I love them? No. It would change the fact uh, of how that relationship is understood, but it wouldn't change my love for them. This is how God's love is for us. No matter how fallen, no matter how broken, no matter how sinful we are, nothing changes the fact that God loves us. God's love for us is unconditional. Now, when I was growing up, my father told me, and mother told me the same thing. Son, we love you unconditionally. Unconditionally. No conditions. You could be the worst human being that has ever lived. In fact, you're off to a good start, son. And, uh, and nothing will ever change the fact that we love you. Our love for you is unconditional. However, having a good relationship together and you being with us in this house... That has conditions. You cannot do whatever it is you want and still be with us here. God is the same way. God always loves us. His love is unconditional. But our being with Him forever is not unconditional. Okay? Um, He calls us to be in a right relationship with Him. Okay? Um, so, uh, for example, no matter what Christine ever does or doesn't do, I will love her, right? So my love for her is unconditional. However, if she breaks the covenant, right, with me, and doesn't repent and continues in that unfaithfulness, that doesn't mean that we will have a place together in the covenant because she has broken the covenant and won't repent. Doesn't change the fact that I love her. I'll miss her, but I love her. (laughs) Okay? It's the same way with God. God's love for you and you and you and you and you and you is unconditional. But he doesn't just say, I love you, so it's all good, do whatever you want, nothing matters, right? No, he calls us into a covenant with him, to live out that covenant. However, being faithful doesn't earn us that spot with him. He gives us the spot. The only thing we can do is choose to live outside that covenant. It's there for us. But we can choose to reject that covenant. Okay, why? Because it's a free will. We have free will. Um, I have a love for Christine, but if I could force her to love me and be in relationship with me, would that be a a real relationship? No, but it's worked pretty good for me for twelve years. (laughs) Follow my finger. Follow my. Okay, that's that's exactly right. It wouldn't be a real relationship. Her place is there for her. My love is there for her. But if she chooses to live outside of that, I cannot force her. Otherwise, it's not real love. Is everyone following? So God not only loves you, he has real love for you. So, we could not attain to God, so God came to us in the person of Jesus. We cannot earn our salvation, or our place with him, Because that's a sick relationship, trying to earn his love all the time. We can't earn his love. His love is unconditional. We can't earn a place with him. He has given us the place. Okay, so, how can I be saved? The first word, relax. Take a deep breath. Salvation is not something you have to merit. It is not something you can ever earn. Salvation is God's gift to you because he loves you. So, Isn't that wonderful that we say, wow, his love is unconditional, he's given his life for me, He's prepared a place for me. There's nothing I have to do to earn it. I just have to live within the covenant that he has given me and not reject it. Now, what happens, though, if we, if we begin to reject it, but our hearts are truly sorry, right? Then, then what? We're forgiven. You see, it's even hard to mess it up You have to literally, literally say, Lord, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with your love, although his love for you is still going to be there. I want nothing to do with the gift of your salvation or a place with you. I want out. Because it's all about me. Right? So it's hard once you're in Christ, it's not easy to lose your salvation. Okay? I remember telling a Southern Baptist minister once, because um, they believe in eternal security, once you've given your life to Jesus, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And once saved, always saved, doesn't matter what happens. I'm thinking, yeah, we don't believe in that, because the Bible doesn't actually teach that, right? One can reject that gift that is given, Right? However, I did tell this pastor, uh, we don't believe in the eternal insecurity either. We're like, every time I have a bad thought, oh my gosh, I've lost salvation. How do I get it back now? Right? Or two deacons get together and make fun of the archdeacon. Right? Well, actually, that is the unforgivable sin that Jesus spoke of in the Bible, you know. We're rats. Rats. <laughs> it's <laughs> Trinitarian, that's true, you know. Um, you know, you don't have to live in constant fear. You have to make a, a conscious choice. Now, sometimes we make it slowly over our life, right? And we find ourselves outside of that covenant. Um, but you really, you know, you have to work at it. You don't have to work at, at earning your salvation, but you have to work at losing it. You have to work at losing it, okay? You have to say, I want nothing to do with you, Lord. It's called apostasy. Now, what's um, really good is that you still don't lose the love of God, by the way. It's always there. It's like being um, in the, 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 the seventh grade and uh, someone uh, really likes you and thinks you're nifty and they're following you everywhere and this never happened to me but maybe it did to you and they're following you everywhere around the school and you're like oh my gosh I can't get away from them hi hi could right and you're like oh, you're hiding behind you're telling your friends right you know block me and over you can't escape them right everywhere you turn they're like hi <laughs> right when we reject the love of god god's love remains this is part of the great pain of hell because we have rejected God's love and our hearts are hardened to it and yet his love permeates our hard hearts. And so his love is, is not received openly so it feels like knives going through us. But what the pains of hell are the intense love of God for you and the fact that you can't escape him. Some people have said that the, the uh, hell is the absence of God. No, it's the presence of God. Intense presence and intense love. And you don't want it. And so it's very, very painful. It's like not wanting to breathe. You can only hold your breath, though, so long, right? The air is everywhere. Christina. Yeah, apostasy is to, uh, to uh, in a moment or over time, through word and or action to reject the gift of salvation offered in Jesus Christ. That's apostasy. um, They're not related. Apostolic and apostasy. (laughs) uh, Yeah, they're not related uh, that I know of. Apostasy, to be an apostate. You know, we often refer to Lucifer and his apostate angels. Right? Um, They all needed apostate surgery. Uh Aww. sorry. <laughs> I thought the doctor would appreciate that in particular but uh, anyway. Um <laughs> <not> so, <laughs> right. Uh, apostasy to uh reject the free gift of given that's given, right? To reject that. So, um How can I be saved? Relax. Take a deep breath. It's not something you have to merit. It's not something you can earn. Salvation is God's gift to you. It is God's free gift given out of his love for you, a love he has had for you even before he formed you in the womb. Even before he formed you in the womb, God knew you. God loved you. You have a worth and a value and a dignity because you are loved by the eternal God. And he cannot imagine eternity without you. But he won't force you to be with him forever. I can't imagine uh, my life without Christine. But I can't force her to to love me. It's the same thing with our God. Okay, um, But he has loved you and known you even before. And you might say, well, how can you love something when it doesn't exist yet? You know, long before I met Christine, I prayed for her. Long before Sarah and Rebecca were born, I prayed for them. Because, you know, I knew that God knew them. Okay? Uh, and so... Um, you know, uh, one thing, Steve brought this up a, a few years ago. Part of our, our church membership here are the people that don't know that they're members here. Right? They they haven't come here yet. <laughs> they're out there. God desires them to be part of the church family, but they don't know that yet. But we still pray for them, that their hearts would be open to the call of the Holy Spirit and that they would, would come. Okay? Um, So God does not offer you this free gift of salvation because you have somehow earned it, but because he is a God of love and because he cannot imagine eternity without you. Okay? Um, Salvation is not about what you have done or what you have failed to do, but about what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. See, it's not what you have done, it's what he has done. Look upon Christ crucified. It's not what you have done. It's about what he has done. He and he alone has confronted sin and has conquered sin and death. He and he alone. So it's about what he has done. So if you were to die tonight, God forbid, but if you, if you do, and you get to heaven and you're greeted by St. Peter... And he says to you, so what have you done to earn salvation? Answer, nothing. I've done nothing. Well, why should we let you in? Based on me, you shouldn't. Right? But then say, well, then why why should you come in then? Because of what our God has done in Jesus Christ. And then St. Peter will say, and he will see you now. Right? He will see you now. Right? And so it's not what we have done. It's about what he has done. It is what he has done. Okay. Um, I know when people will say to me sometimes, oh, Father Michael, I know you preach that God loves us uh, unconditionally. I know you preach that um, he Uh, has done what we could not do and that is he has earned salvation for us I know you teach that um, he has a place for us in his home uh, out of love and desires us to be there but you know what you don't know how bad I am you don't know that uh, I did this or I did that or I struggle with this or I struggle with that or secretly this and that you don't know and sadly what you are saying is What I have done for ill, sin, is greater than what He has done on the cross. Now that's probably not what you want to say, right? He's saying it doesn't matter what you've done. If you um, don't reject the offer of my forgiveness, you are saved. And if you say, "Well, not me. I'm not saved," because what I've done is is really bad then what you're saying to the cross of Jesus, to Jesus on the cross, is uh, what you have done is great, but it doesn't have as big of an impact uh, on me than what I have done. So who here would go up to the cross and say, good job, but not good enough for me, because what I've done is better than what you've done. None of us would do that, right? Uh, if, if you would, you might want to make an appointment with me and <laughs> come and talk through those issues, okay? Um, nothing in this world is greater than the cross of Jesus. If you have sinned, there's your forgiveness. If you are broken, there's your healing, okay? Uh, even if you die, there is eternal life. Nothing in this world is more powerful than than the cross of Jesus Christ. So a few examples. Uh, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. So we introduce sin into the world and the consequence of our introducing sin into the world is death. Why? Because God was like, I told you not to do that. Now I'm going to punish you. And now, young Skywalker, you shall die. <laughs> right? Um, is, is, is that how God is? No. God is life. So when we turn away from him and move away from him and we fall out of right relationship with him, if he is life and he is the only source of life and we're moving away from him, then we are embracing what? Death. It's not so much a punishment as it is a consequence of our actions, of rejecting the gift of his love. Right? So it's not that as much as it's a consequence. He is life. If we reject that, we are embracing death. So the wages of sin is death. But Romans 6.23 goes on to say, but the free gift of God, free gift, right? Free gift, not that it's not costly. It's costly, but it cost him on the cross. It's a costly gift, but it's free to you and me. Okay? Um, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2.8. So, it is not of your, own, of your own doing. By grace you have been saved. Grace is God's uh, love and forgiveness uh, and healing coming forth from his very heart into yours. It is by his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his healing, his mercy, his power that you are saved. It is not that you have earned it. Okay, Because you cannot earn it. Okay, This is the greatest problem uh, with the, the medieval doctrine of, of purgatory. Because what it says is, is that we have not done enough to uh, make up for our sins. Well, of course we haven't done enough to make up for our sins. We cannot make up for our sins. Salvation is not something you can make up for. Forgiveness is not something earned. Forgiveness uh, is not something atoned for. Forgiveness is a gift. By its very definition, it's given undeservedly. If I, God forbid, burn down Praveen's house, and subsequently Karen's house, sorry Karen, um, burn down Praveen's house, How can I atone for that, really? I mean, even if I had a million dollars and gave it to him, it might make him feel a little bit better, right? But I could never really restore that, right? But if I say I am truly sorry for having done that, and he says, I forgive you, and Karen says, I forgive you, they have given me a gift that I could not earn. They've given me something that I did not deserve, And so forgiveness is always given when it's undeserved, okay? Um, Romans 3, 23 to 25, For there is no distinction among men, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all have fallen short. All are sinful. All are broken. All are fallen All are stumbling. All are unrighteous. There's not a single person who has ever lived in this world, save our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, who uh, is not fallen or sinful. Okay? None of us are righteous. And yet, on the one sense, on the one hand, We are fallen, broken, sinful, stumbling, undeserving. We'll use the word scum, okay, just to get to it. And on the other hand, we have a worth and a value and a dignity that is greater than the angels of heaven. Why? Because Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, died for us on the cross and poured out his life for us, Man, you must be something. For God himself to do that. You must be something. Has anyone seen the ad with Pinocchio? That he's not a good uh inspirational speaker? I look around and I see nothing but untapped potential. You have potential. And then his nose grows. Um, um, right? uh So, I don't have to worry about it, even if I was Pinocchio. You are all fallen, broken, sinful, stumbling, undeserving. Wretch a good word? Wretch is, because there's more than one of you. (laughs) And yet, I look around and I see no one here that isn't loved by God. I don't see a single individual that isn't so loved by God that he didn't die for him or her on the cross and rise on the third day for them. There's not a single individual here who, having received that gift, does not have a worth and a dignity and a value that is greater than even the angels in heaven. When I look around, I see nothing but righteousness. Why? Not because in and of ourselves we are truly righteous, but because we are accounted as righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of Jesus. We are counted as righteous. And so when the Father looks down and sees you, and sees you, Jonathan, and sees you, Steve, He doesn't see us in our sin. He doesn't see us in our brokenness. He sees us in His Son, Jesus. He sees us looking beautiful. Right? He sees us Uh, washed uh, clean, okay, in his Son. And then he loves us with the very love he has had for his own Son from all eternity. And then it is his great pleasure to give you everything that is his. Because he loves you and wants to share it with you. Do you know I can only think of one movie in my whole life that I went to by myself? I don't get a lot of joy out of doing too many things um like by myself, like I'm not someone who'd be like, You know what? I think uh, I'm going to go off to Hawaii by myself or something i'm just I, I'm, I'm just not like that. I'd have to rent a friend or something you, you know and say, Come on Hawaii, you're a lot of people go. well yeah, i <laughs> free Hawaii, a lot of people would go. I'd probably have friends suddenly that's right um you know, it's, it's, the, uh, it's, the same, it's the same idea. You know, it's about community. We're not supposed to have this relationship with God by ourselves, but with, with others. Um, with others. All right. Um, the one movie, by the way, I saw by myself was Highlander Endgame, in case anyone was wondering. All right. What was that? Highlander Endgame. It's a sci-fi movie about immortals with swords, yeah, yeah. Actually, Sean Connery was in the very first movie, so, just saying, okay, all right. (laughs) So what if, literally, what does it mean to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, however? We know from step one that we cannot save ourselves. He has saved us. It's not what we have done, but what he has done for us. That is, salvation is not something we can earn or merit. It is God who offers us salvation. We cannot attain to God because God is infinite and we are finite creatures. He is the creator and we are the creation. Also, sin separates us eternally from God because God is holy, sin cannot stand in the presence of God. However, because we could not attain to God, God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The word for grace in Greek is, does anyone know the word for grace in Greek? K- no, not kairos, kairos, kairos. 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 is the name for, and what does that name also mean? Keris. Gift, like a charismatic, is one who emphasizes the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, It means gift of grace. Gift of grace. So the word for grace in Greek is charis. It means gift, or in this context, the gift of the Spirit. Grace is God's power. It comes forth from God and into our hearts to change us. It flows from his heart into our hearts and reshapes us and remolds us in his image and likeness. Is grace always, does it always feel good? No. No. Sometimes we are told in the Bible that God's grace uh, is like gold and fire, right? Gold is a very hard substance. And if you think, and it's filled with impurities. And we are often like gold. Our hearts are very hard, right? Very hard. And uh, they uh, are not soft at all, and they're filled with impurities that have solidified within us. But by the fire of the Spirit, the fire of God, like gold in the fire, what happens to that gold? What's that? It becomes soft. And when gold is soft, what can you do to it? Mold it it and reshape it. And so we are sometimes like gold in the refiner's fire. We become soft so that God can reshape us in His image and likeness. And what happens when gold gets very hot, hot? What happens to the impurities? They rise to the top where they can be skimmed off and thrown away. See, so sometimes God's grace uh, isn't the nicest feeling. Uh, Sometimes it's like we're like gold in in the fire. But sometimes it is. But um, He is calling us back into right relationship with Him. Grace is God's power. comes forth from His heart into our hearts to shape us, to mold us. Grace manifests God's love His mercy, His healing, His forgiveness within us. Grace enables the sinner, that is, broken and fallen human beings like us, to share in God's eternal life. Because grace comes from God, it is like a medicine for the body and soul. Without this medicine, we will die forever. With this medicine, we shall live forever. Grace is the antidote to the disease, sin. Grace is the antidote. If you are suffering from the disease of sin, you need the antidote. And the antidote is grace, God's grace. Romans 5, 5b to 6. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, isn't that amazing? God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's grace. That's charis, the gift. Right? Right, but if I have something to pour uh, into you, and you're closed to it, it's not going to get in there, right? I know, uh, like Sarah, even more than Rebecca. I'm like, you got to take your medicine, okay? Open up, and then 90% of it goes down on her shirt, and why? Because oh, I'm not going to get it, you know. Uh, and then she finally takes it in, and she says, oh, I swallowed it," and it looks like she's chewing tobacco. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. Not here, right? Uh, because she doesn't really want the medicine, right? Um, and so then I go up to her cheeks and, all right? Uh, but God doesn't do that. He won't force you to do it. So I'm not as loving as God is, I guess. But anyway, um, Titus three three to seven. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. So by water in the Spirit. Right? This gift, this covenant is imparted first uh, in holy baptism, when we are washed Receive that spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. So we are justified not by what we have done, but by him. Okay. So if we must then receive its salvation by grace through faith, What does having faith mean? Salvation is God's gift to you in Jesus Christ. We know this from the first two things that we learned today. This is what it means to be saved by grace. However, grace must be received by faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us. It must be received by faith in Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? Faith means trusting in Jesus Christ and in him alone for your life and salvation. So, what are you trusting in for your life and salvation? I'm trusting in, the, in Jesus and in Him alone. Now, I know you've heard this many times. You're going to hear it many times more. You'll hear it in sermons. But it's such a good story. It's worth repeating over and over and over again. I was born... No, not that story. Sorry. Um, a different story. Uh, so... Um, this is fictitious. I had a dream that I died and I went before the gate of heaven and I was greeted there by St. Peter. And St. Peter said, uh, Welcome. Um, I said, Michael. Oh, Michael, welcome. St. Peter myself. Oh, well, nice to meet you. So, Michael, I suppose you want entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Yes, St. Peter, I do. Well, tell me. What have you done to earn a place here in heaven? Uh, um, I was an altar boy when I was little. Oh, altar boy. Well, wow. Let's see here. Not that they need glasses in heaven, but it's good for the effect. Altar boy. An eighth of a point. Eighth of a point? You know I was head altar boy, right? <laughs> eighth of a point. Okay. Uh, Oh, I also took care of a young man who had muscular dystrophy, and I was his primary caregiver. I did that for a full year. Oh, well, primary caregiver. Let's look up P, primary caregiver. Quarter of a point. Quarter of a point. I took care of him day and night. Quarter of a point. Have you done anything else? Well, I am a priest. Oh, Father, excuse me. I didn't realize. You're a priest. Well, looked that up. Priest. And he says, a third of a point. A third of a point? And he said, well, it was the Lord who called you to the priesthood. It was the Lord who gave you the gifts you needed to fulfill that ministry. It was the Lord who made you his priest. It was the Lord who ministered to you. How many points do you want for the pleasure of being his priest? So anyway, this went on and on. And after about three and a half hours, I was like, well, so how am I doing? And he says, well, let's add it all up. I love these new ones. Total? Three and three quarters points. Three and three quarters points? What do I need to get in? 1,000 points. 1,000 points? And with that, I fell on my knees and began to cry. And I said, oh, how will I ever earn 1,000 points? Lord, have mercy. And with that, St. Peter said, well, wait a minute. The Lord's mercy. Well, look at there. 1,000 points. Come in. And you see, that is what the gift is about. It's not what we have done, but what he has done. So, what does it mean to receive this gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? It means that we must trust in him and not in ourselves. It means we must trust in his word and not in the wor- uh, wisdom of this world for our salvation. It means only trusting that it is by Jesus in his death and resurrection that we have eternal life. It means not trusting in the wisdom of something which is not here. It means not trusting in anything but him, including your notes. I found it. In this world, as if something finite and temporal could grant you entrance into that which is infinite and eternal. See, that's the mistake we make, thinking that we have to be able to comprehend God. We're trying to use things finite and temporal to gain what is infinite and eternal that cannot be done. As Mr. Spock says, that's illogical. It means not trusting in any other so-called God or creature for your salvation. Faith means trusting in Jesus Christ, God made man, Emmanuel, God with us for our life and salvation. Every day I pray this, Lord, by thy grace grant me this day the gift of faith, that I may live by faith, that I may walk by faith, that should I fall, I may trust in thy mercy And stand anew by faith, and that one day when I die, I would die in faith that I may come to thy throne and receive thy mercy. And then I pray that same thing for Christine and Sarah and Rebecca. In other words, that each step, whether I'm walking in the Lord, or whether I'm falling away, or I'm in the midst of repentance, or I'm about to die, or I've died, that it may be in faith. From Romans 5, 1-2, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have a, obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. In him we have access. Romans 4, 5, And, and to one who does not work, that is, does not trust he can save himself, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, so God who justifies us, the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. So if you trust in him that you are justified, then your faith is reckoned to you as righteousness. James 4, 4b-6. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is in vain that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that's the teaching for today, uh, the very gift of salvation.